You are listening to the Tudor History and Travel Show, Travel Essentials. The place to be for all the best top tips and inspiration for planning your Tudor adventures. So, let's get ready to hit the road with Sarah Morris, the Tudor Travel Guide. everyone and welcome to this brand new podcast the Tudor history and travel show travel essentials and of course I'm Sarah the Tudor travel guide as the Tudor travel guide I'm often asked questions about traveling to visit places here in the UK you know well what can you do in Gloucestershire what's near to where when should I travel what's the weather like all of these questions and so what I wanted to do was to put together a much shorter podcast which is specifically for you intrepid time travellers out there who are planning your Tudor adventures. Now of course a lot of us are currently locked down with Covid but I remain incredibly optimistic that by the middle of this year we'll be getting some freedom back and hopefully we will be planning our adventures and getting out on the road once again. So this podcast is absolutely for you. Now I'm not going to be alone in uh, recording this podcast because I wanted to invite along an travel expert who can help me unpack and answer some of your most frequently asked questions. And so without further ado, I want to cue my friend Philippa. Hi Philippa, welcome. Hi, hi Sarah, hi everybody. So Philippa is from British History Tours and as some of you will know I collaborate with Philippa in running some of my tours uh, that I do but Philippa maybe you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about British History Tours to kick off. Okay thank you yeah so um, so I'm Philippa and yes I have British History Tours so we run in, in conjunction with with people like yourself and um, historians we run history-based tours so it, they're normally based on a person or period of time so we don't just stick to one place you know we travel in order to tell the story of whatever it is that we're you know we're covering um and they're very fun we have about 20 people max on them so they're small it means it's intimate we have historians come in and speak to us we because we're a small smaller groups we can have special uh, special tours when we go to particular venues and things like that so they're a real historian package you know mm. they're a bit, bit um i was gonna say geeky they're not geeky we're not geeks anyway i'm maybe a proud tudor geeker <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, so that and um, it's always really fun. We, to be fair, we always make friends as well, lots of friends. I suppose it's because you get like-minded people together. And um, yeah, so and looking forward doing, to getting back to that. You've been doing this a few years now, haven't you? So what you've yeah. learned about travel, I guess you know, it's not worth knowing. Yeah, well, so I've been doing them, yes, with the group tours for a few years, and obviously the planning of that um, was a few years in the making as well, as well as doing, similar to yourself, going around and doing videos from um, different venues and, you know, for YouTube and, and, and things like that. So um, on a personal level, I've been doing a lot, I mean, goodness, I don't, I don't even, probably 20 years now you know visiting um heritage and historical locations started as a personal interest i wanted to have my feet where i you know in the places that i was reading about 
and then that's how my interest developed and and then obviously I started doing it for other people as well so yeah I mean I, you can test me I, I'm sure there's things I don't know but I think there's probably quite a bit I can help people out with yeah I'm sure that I'm sure there absolutely is so what we're going to do aren't we Philippa is we're going to take a kind of question or theme each week um, and we've kind of concocted a few of our own but just to say folks that if you're listening to this and you you are planning on traveling particularly if you're coming from overseas and you're not really familiar with how things work in the UK this is the perfect place for you to ask your questions and if you if you do have a question then do make sure that you send it in to me at Sarah at the tudortravelguide.com I'll say that towards the end of the show again but and we will try won't we Philippa to do our best to um, yeah. go where people want us to go and answer the questions that people want answering I guess Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So we've got topics that we think will be of use, but ask away because that helps us make sure that we're actually answering what you want to know about. Yeah, absolutely. So we just, where have we take, tell us where we're starting today, where we decided to go to. Well, so today we're talking about what the best time is to travel to the UK or if, you know, if you're coming here, you know, when, when, what time of year might you want to come? Um, and so we're going to be talking about the weather, the school holidays, um, and important uh, important to me when I'm uh, planning trips is the daylight hours. It's something that um, you kind of can forget, but it's, you know, in the winter, it can be dark by three o'clock in the afternoon. So that's the kind of thing as well you need to be thinking about if you're talking, uh, thinking of traveling here, especially going to heritage and historical locations. I think you're so right. I've, I've definitely had... had um... My friend Natalie, who have you know come altered in the footsteps, what do you know Natalie? I remember she came over in May, and hello Natalie, if you're listening into this. And I remember, of course, at that time of year, as you're going to come on to, it's quite light. And Natalie going, gosh, I didn't realise it was so light for so long. Yeah. And you can pack so much in. Anyway, I'm not going to steal your thunder. Now you're <laughs> going to dive into Philippa. Okay, so it is... I was, I'm going to start by saying there isn't a, a perfect time. It depends on what you want to do. Um, I, if I begin with the weather, though, I mean, our average temperatures, it dep- it, it's really quite simple. It's going to be cold in the winter. It can get quite hot in the summer. There's the, uh, that's, just, you know, that's just the way it is. If you come into England or you come into Scotland, you come into Northern Ireland or Wales, I have to go through more, um, the UK, just bring layers. That's, that's yeah. the top tip because you can be chilly in the summer and you can get quite a warm sort of March day. Um, I remember going to a wedding once in March. It was, it was really hot. So, and I do remember on one tour, um, almost apologizing to, to somebody one day because it, it was raining for a couple of hours. And she said very wisely, an American lady, she, she said to me, Philippa, we don't come to England for the weather. <laughs> I think that is, uh, yes. It's about something up, really, isn't it? And so I thought that was very pragmatic. Um, yes. So, I mean, so I would say, um, you know, any itinerary, have a mix of things you can do inside and outside, and then it gives you that flexibility. Um, some of the venues themselves are going to be that. You know, if you're coming over and you're going to Hampton Court Palace, for instance, you've got a lot of indoor areas, you've got a lot of outdoor areas, you just mix and match. Um, so uh yeah i mean we don't get massively freezing so i think the winter is quite a good time to come if you're not adverse to the cold places tend to be quieter um or you have you just have to make sure if you're coming 
outside of peak times um, that check out opening hours. Some heritage and historical places, the, the smaller ones might close for a month or, or even some of the National Trust places up to three months because that's when they do their conservation and, um, and things like that. So, um, you know, don't go somewhere and then find out that all the places you're closed. Like I went to Paris and then found out Versailles was closed on the day that I was there. So, you know, th- to avoid, avoid things ahead, like that. Ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so I was talking about the rain. The other thing is uh, school holidays. Um, and really this is, again, a preference thing. So we have a big six-week holidays in the summer. It's usually from around mid-July to um, the very, very beginning of September. And it does differ slightly in different areas, but only by perhaps a week. Now, there are benefits to coming outside of school time, as you'd imagine. A lot of people tend to prefer to do that um, because they think there's going to be less children running around places. However, you will come across, especially again in some of the larger historical and heritage venues, school groups in school time. Good point. So you you have to balance it up whether you're bothered about families or 30 or to 60 children in one place. It might not bother you at all, but um, I, I know just from... And you probably know from going around and filming in places um, in school time, you can get very big groups of children. So that's just something to, to think about. And also, actually, um, uh, the, the traffic on the roads can be better in school holidays. It, 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 you know, we don't get a rush hour in school holidays as much because there's no school run. And people are generally taking a little bit more annual leave during those times as well. So there's some benefits to coming in school holiday time which you might not have thought of and the other thing I would add to that is if you do come on and you may be coming on to mention this so apologies if you are but if you come in school holidays or bank holidays a lot of the places have their big events going on so if you want to see the jousting at you know Heber Castle they tend to happen on bank holidays which of course are part of school holidays in a way not not yeah but you know, so. Yeah, no, but that's absolutely, I, that, yes, that was, that was the next point I was going to come along, uh, come on to is that, yeah, the events tend to be around, like you say, bank holidays and um, uh, which generally around school holiday time anyway. Um, and so it's worth looking at what's going on. It might be that you want to miss places that have got big events on, you know, so it, it, again, it's a matter of personal preference. Look at what's going on. But like you say, like things like Joust, which Heber Castle do, Hampton Court do, Quite a few places do jazz now, don't they? They're going to be doing it when they think they're going to be getting the peak number of uh, visitors. So, um, yeah. But it might be interesting just to say, when are our bank holidays? When are the key bank holidays, just so people are aware? Because I guess they're going to differ right the way around the world. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, they're generally, so they're possibly similar. I mean, we obviously have an Easter. We have two bank holidays. So we have our Good Friday, um, which is our only Friday bank holiday, I think, unless Christmas tends to, you know, unless Christmas has landed on it, um, and Easter Monday. Then we have a Whitson. Uh, we have two in May, sorry, one early May one end of May you're catching me out here because you didn't ask um, and, <laughs> and then we have late August bank holiday weekend and then we have the Christmas ones have I missed any out no those are the main ones I think maybe the ones yeah. that maybe differ from other people other parts of the world would maybe the May bank holidays and the August bank holiday May and August yeah, yeah. so probably the early uh, early May and late August bank holidays yeah yeah, so um, it is a personal preference then, isn't it? You're going to be, it's going to be busier, but there's going to be more mm. things on 
on the bank holidays. Exactly. And maybe you're traveling to the UK because there's a particular event you actually want to go to. So you then be arranging everything else around that anyway. So I know there's people looking to come over for Wimbledon. Um, you've got things like the Chelsea and Hampton Court flower shows that are big. Up in Edinburgh, you've got the um, the, the tattoo. Um, you know, so actually as well, it might just be that you come because there's a big event on at a particular time each year that, you know, anyway, you're going to want to come and and at that time to see that and then everything else can fit around it. <laughs> yes, and of course, it is worth noticing, um, I remember I went to um, a hotel near Wimbledon uh, a couple of years back and I was inquiring about the costs and they said, oh, well, it's normally XX pounds. But if you come during Wimbledon week, you can just expect it to skyrocket. That is a very good point. That is a very good point. It's if you don't have a particular date in mind, um, it's worth having a look because there might be something on that it's just not obvious to you just from a Google search what it is on in what's on in that area. For instance, some of the regattas, you might only know that if you're a boat person. So if you're not, yeah, a good indication is that suddenly the hotels are more expensive than you expected, and if the date doesn't matter to you. It, it, it may not be that that hotel is or that air, that area is that expensive. Have another, have a look at um, you know another time, uh, and and because that might just be that much might be a, a reason behind that. Football matches are another thing that you know things like that that unless you're into it you wouldn't know yeah. that they're going on. But they're big crufts at <laughs> the dog show, which takes place in Birmingham, doesn't it? It's place in Birmingham at the NEC. Yes, yeah. I'm not sure what month that is. I don't. But, it, but it, like suddenly you'll you'll you you know when I used to work the other side of um, of Birmingham to where I am, you'd go in for a week, or maybe half a week. You couldn't get you know you'd be in massive traffic jams all of a sudden at a time of the day where you never were before. Yeah, that's what's going time. on. Yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't know. Um, Yes, good. So is there anything else you think we should be bearing in mind in terms of the best times to travel? Um, not really. Um, so, so if you're looking at, obviously, if you have a preference for the weather, but be careful because here is, it's very changeable. We're known for it really, aren't we? So like that lady said to me, you don't come here for the weather. Um, the other thing perhaps is just travel. So thinking about, I mean, we're going to cover this more um, specifically in another episode, um, but how you're planning on getting around. Um, yeah. Uh, because, uh, you know, you're going to have peak times um, where trains are busier, coaches, things like that. Um, so depending on what kind of transport you want to use, or you could flip it and, and, and do it at the time of year you come, you know, would dictate what type of transport is a bit easier um but maybe just thinking about that as well but we'll yes. cover that more specifically you I think definitely are going to come on to different aspects of travel because I get asked all the time can you get the train to do I need a car to so you know this really yeah. this getting around thing is is really important um, yes. and I suppose yes. the only other thing I would add around weather and this is this is just me but I don't go anywhere in England without a pair of waterproof trousers unless huh? I'm absolutely guaranteed that it's going to be dry and sunny. <laughs> so I an umbrella, I did not the full and an umbrella. I remember again I'm I'm going to refer to a time when Natalie came over, my friend Natalie Gruniger. Um, she obviously runs on the Tudor Trail and she's my co author and she's been over to the UK several times and she arrived on a very rainy day and um 
we thought we'd go out in the afternoon and we did a quick trip to Minster Lovell Hall. Which oh, is I got engaged there. <laughs> Lovely. But it was Lovely. absolutely piddling down. And, ah, um, and I said, yeah, have a pair of waterproof trousers. And Natalie, of course, her, having come from Australia, had never worn a wet pair of waterproof trousers before in her life. And she found it incredibly amusing. Um, but I don't go far without my waterproof trousers. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, a definitely essentials kit is an umbrella. And I would say, now they make suntan lotion in those little sticks or the little um, things. Because if you get caught somebody somewhere like the Tower of London on a sunny day, you will I've burnt there so from yeah, personal it's, experience it's so enclosed isn't it it's like a bit of a sun trap yes it is it is yeah. so yeah so a little one of those in your uh, in your I bag as well will uh, do you well I love that well thanks very much Philippa for enlightening us and maybe giving us some food for thought about when we might want to travel based on our personal preferences really and some of the things we might want to bear in mind so you're yeah. back next month what are we going to be covering then Next month, we are looking at, let me have a look at our list. Oh, we're going to talk about some of the, um, what costs you might expect if you're traveling to the UK. So, you know, how much should a hotel cost <laughs> and food and things like that. So what you can expect to pay for things when you come. And that's always a tricky one, isn't it? Because you've got the whole currency conversion thing going on as well as, just, oh, yeah. you know, different, different costs for things. So, yeah, yeah. well, that would be a subject to dive into. So look forward <laughs> to that. And I'll see you next month. Yes, see you next month. Thank you. So that's a big thank you to Philippa from British History Tours. And if you want to find out more about Philippa, you can look her up at BritishHistoryTours.com. And she also does a weekly on this week in history, which you can find on her YouTube channel. So I do uh, encourage you to pop along and subscribe. Now we're moving on to our second regular feature of Travel Essentials. Now, of course, we've got loads of wonderful historic places to visit here in the UK. But one of the most wonderful things, I think, is the fact that not only can you visit historic places, you can stay in them too. So whether they're Airbnbs or bed and breakfasts or manor houses or castles, there, are, there is a wealth of wonderful places to choose from. And I visited quite a few over my time here, living here in the UK. But of course, I know you lovely listeners, many of you have been to the UK before and will also have your favourites. And so I thought I would include this slot where I um, share some of my favourites with you, but also invite along some of my blogging friends and maybe in the fullness of time hear from some few lovely listeners about your top tips for wonderful historic and Tudor places to stay. So now I wanted to invite uh, my all-round awesome friend, um, superb podcaster, author and blogger, uh, Natalie Gruniger to join me here on my very first episode. Now Natalie and I have shared many Tudor adventures together and it was just obvious to me that I had to check in with Natalie and ask her first of all about what she would recommend as her top place to say. And so without further waiting let me bring in natalie hello nat hello sarah thank you so much for asking me to be a part of this oh you're most welcome you know any any excuse to connect up with you and have a chat um and i know we were due to be tra we were due to be traveling with each other this yes. year weren't we before covid hit Absolutely. Yes. I had a, a lovely trip planned, which was going to take in lots of different historic sites and of course, spend time with you and some other wonderful friends. 
But you know what, Sarah, now we've got that to look forward to. Yeah, we do. We absolutely do. Uh, so I want to ask you, what place are you going to recommend for us to stay today? I am recommending a place called West Stowe Hall in Bury St Edmunds, Suffolk. Now, I, I hadn't also to have stayed there, but I'm not, I want you to explain why you have picked it. Why is it one of your favourites? Well, I stayed there in, it was 2013, so it's been a while, but it was part of a, a trip that I was doing with my family. So a month trip with, you know, my husband and two little kids, one nine and one five at the time. And we selected this place to stay at. One thing that I absolutely loved was how spacious it was. I don't know if you remember, Sarah, the rooms were very large. So we had our own bedroom, the children had their own bedroom, and it was just absolutely beautiful. The surroundings were just, you know, a dream come true. It was set in, so if you're coming to England and you want to stay in England, you want it to look English. And this was just beautiful cottage gardens, orchards, you know, a paddock with a horse just strolling around. It was everything that you could imagine. And I'm going to mention, before I mention the history, I'm going to mention the breakfast, which was just, <laughs> I still, this is seven years, you know, more than seven years later. And, and I still remember it in an incredible room in the house. And it was just extraordinary, full English breakfast, of course. But now I'd like to mention the connection. So this has um, Tudor connections, this house. So the, the location now is a bed and breakfast and it stands on the site of an earlier house, probably a 15th century house. But sometime in the 16th century, a man by the name of uh, Sir John Crofts added an incredibly beautiful and decorative gatehouse or brick Tudor gatehouse and a brick colonnade, which I think his grandson probably added a little bit later. So they still stand. So even though the, the original house is, is gone, you still have the Tudor gatehouse and the Tudor colonnade that this man, Sir John Crofts, built. And he was actually master of the horse to Mary Tudor. So the Mary Tudor we're talking about is, or she was also the Duchess of Suffolk. So the third wife of Charles Brandon and sister of Henry VIII. So you can actually see her arm, Sarah, on the gatehouse. I don't know if you noticed when you went. Yeah, and I did. Yeah. Yeah. And there is something else magnificent that makes this place a must stay for Tudor lovers. The I think it was on the second floor of the gatehouse, there is a room that has some amazing Elizabethan paintings. So these, I think from memory, it was they were made in about 1570 or 1580. And Sarah, can I just read you what they say? Because I absolutely love them. Please do. So there's, there's a hunting scene and there's a scene that depicts the four ages of man. And there's four different little pictures. So there's a young man out hunting and that's inscribed, this do I all the day. There's a man, a young couple embracing a man and a woman and it's inscribed, thus do I while I may. <laughs> and then there's a middle-aged man looking at the young couple saying, thus did I when I might. And then the last sort of picture is a bent old man and he's leaning on his walking stick and he says, good Lord, will this work? Will Sorry, let's try that again. Good Lord, will this world last ever? So it's just, it's so fantastic. You can see some pictures of that online as well. Um, and of course the hosts, and I think they're still the same. Yes. I remember you had the same host when yes. you stayed. Yeah. Eileen, so I, think, I think it's Eileen. 
Eileen, yes, you're right. Eileen, exactly. And she was so happy to take you on a, on a tour of the, all the Tudor bits of the house. Yes. And, and they had a lovely dog from memory. And so we had to come home and immediately buy a dog, of course. Oh. My kids were like, oh, remember that dog? <laughs> um, and it is in a fantastic position, close to some lots of great other sites. We'll talk about that in a moment, but I've got a bit of a funny story about my first encounter with Westso Hall. So it's in Suffolk, the county of Suffolk. Um, we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, and I was on holiday there, I think with my mum, actually. And we were sort of pottering around the countryside and we drove driving along this country lane. And I just happened to glance over to my right and saw the building you've just described, you know. And it's so beautifully Tudor, isn't it, with that russet-coloured red brick. And I literally <laughs> glanced in my mirror to make sure it was safe. And I just screeched to a halt. <laughs> put the car in reverse and just reversed up the lane it was just like what is this place and then yeah, afterwards it I looked it locked it up and found out it was a bed and breakfast and then just started I didn't know you'd stayed there at that point but I started lusting after going and, and I've since been three oh. times I think that's how good that's how much I rate wow. it yes yeah. I think it's absolutely fabulous and as you say it is a very it's not the kind of, if you're picturing the gatehouse of perhaps a court or something like that, it's a different style. So it's very decorative and it has um, the little towers and the pinnacle. So it's quite, it's quite different, which I understand why you stopped in your tracks when you saw it. <laughs> yeah, wasn't expecting it. Now, you were about to go on and talk to us maybe about some of the things in the area. And it is next to Bury St. Edmunds and it's a very... It's a great area to visit if you're interested in Tudor history. Maybe you want to tell us about a few of the things that you can see in Ebay. Yeah, absolutely. I should just mention that, so we, we talked about Mary Tudor and we're going to, to talk about her in a moment again, but not far from, from this particular place is Westhorpe Hall. Well, what remains of it anyway, which was once the very grand uh, courtyard mansion of Mary Tudor and Charles Brandon. So that is not too far away which is why in Bury St Edmunds, as you've just mentioned, which is very close to the bed and breakfast, is Mary's final resting place. So originally, she died in, she died in 1533. Originally, she was buried in the abbey there. There was a, a very huge abbey there. And after the dissolution, they moved her to a very, and I'm, try, I'm trying to remember exactly, but I think I remember you and I went there and I think we just walked. It's just walking distance from the Abbey from memory. Mm -hmm. So she's, she's buried in the, the local yes, church now and you can go and visit. So exactly as you say, that is a lovely, lovely place to visit. When we actually went, Sarah, I was trying to remember the sort of route that we took. Mm -hmm. And I remember that we had started in Peterborough Cathedral. So in the morning, we were actually in Peterborough Cathedral. So this is possible to do this because I've done this with two yeah. little kids. <laughs> Brilliant. And uh, yeah, so we were there. Yeah, exactly. We were there for a little while in the morning and then we went to Cambridge and we actually, you know, punted on the River Cam. We went into the beautiful chapel there and saw the magnificent Tudor uh, symbols and other things that you can see there. And then we went to West Stowe Hall. So that might be perhaps oh, a path oh, that nice. people want to follow. We were coming from north obviously yes. so perhaps if you're coming the other way you could do it you know in reverse and then from Westo Hall we ended up at Lavenham which is an incredible oh it's just such a beautiful village that has so many 15th century medieval buildings and it's just extraordinary so that's the path that we took yeah but also not too far from there I believe from Westo Hall is Framlingham Castle which of course has lots of Tudor connections especially with the other Mary 
Mary Tudor, the queen we're talking about there. So there's so much to do, Sarah. There is so, I love Suffolk, actually. It's one of my favourite counties. And, um, and actually, it's so much my favourite county. I wrote a little digital guide on your Tudor weekend away in Suffolk. So that might be something that people might want to pick up if they're thinking about, oh, I'd like to go and stay at Westow Hall. Because in fact, that's, that's the accommodation I talk about in there. But I, I love going. There is, there is, yeah, the Framlingham and the tombs in Framlingham Church. And you've got Thetford Priory, which was the original burial place yes. of the Dukes of uh, Norfolk, which is also all in that area. And then... You've got Kentwell, which, of course, during August time oh, yes. is great for reenactment. Or it has been up until, <laughs> up until yeah, this year. Yeah. But exactly. so much to see. I, I think Suffolk is a very underexplored county, I feel, from people who are visiting from overseas. And so I think, I think it's a great first recommendation. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I hope to go back one day. That's how much I... I like it. I would definitely go back just to stay there again and enjoy that hospitality and, and see those beautiful Elizabethan war paintings and get to walk in those gardens. So I remember going out at twilight and it was just absolutely oh, stunning. So yeah, lovely, lovely. Well, maybe we'll meet there one day and uh, have a girly I weekend so. away in Suffolk. <laughs> that would be lovely. But uh, until then, Perfect. until then, Natalie, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing with us your no top tips for where to stay or top tip for where to stay thank you so much thank you bye okay so that was natalie now make sure you check out natalie's um blog which is on the tudortrail.com and also her podcast which of course is the very popular talking tudors podcast um and natalie is just a fantastic curator of uh tudor history so do make sure you check that out so now we're on to the final bit of the show and I wanted now to turn our attention to some events that are going on because if you are beginning to think about planning a trip over here and I should just say that whilst we are still in the midst of COVID as we mentioned at the top of the program the vaccination program here is going very well and my feeling, nobody quite knows, but my feeling is by the summer, by May or June, things will be reopening and accessible. I'm not sure we'll be completely back to normal, but um, they thinking by that kind of time, most of the population will have been vaccinated. So I'm quite optimistic for the summer. And on that note, therefore, I wanted to share with you um, some up and coming events that you might want to think about, including in your calendar, if you're thinking of heading over here. But of course, since we're also all stuck at home, I've tried to look at what's coming up online over the next kind of month or two. So to begin with, I want to start with a real life event that's going on at Hampton Court. Now, last year, they were due to hold a big exhibition around the 500th anniversary of the Field of Cloth of Gold, and that was to be called Golden Glory, Henry VIII and the French King. Now, there was going to be exhibitions, there was going to be jousting and all sorts of good stuff going on. Now, although that had to be cancelled, the exhibition is planned to go ahead to open from the 1st of April and to run to the 5th of September. So even if it, I don't know whether it will make the opening date at the beginning of April, but let's hope 
but certainly later on in the year we'll be able to get access to that. Now that is, um, you can get in to see that exhibition in Hampton Court with a palace ticket. You don't need to book separately to see that, but there are going to be some fantastic exhibits in there. So they're bringing along the Stonyhurst vestments and they are um, religious vestments which were selected by Henry VIII for use in religious services when he went over to the field of cloth of gold. There's also Cardinal Wolsey's Book of Hours and there is going to be a tapestry that goes on display that was uh, created in Tournai around the 1520s which depicts wrestling at the field of cloth of gold and that has never before been on public display. So um, that's going to be great. and I can't wait to see that event. So, um, of course, if you want more details, you head over to the Historic Royal Palaces website. Um, so that's Historic Royal Palaces and the Hampton Court and look at what's on. But just to say that there will be a show notes page which accompanies every Travel Essentials episode. And I'll put a link to that show notes page in the description below so that you'll be able to go along and find out all the links and emails that I mention or get mentioned in this show. Okay, now, online events. And I've pulled out one of these, which is taking place on the 24th of February at 7.30 in the evening. And this is all about uh, Henry VII. And um, basically, Dr. Sean Cunningham, who's principal archivist at the National Archive and penguin biographer of Henry VII, is going to be talking about how Henry VII founded the dynasty. Now, again, I'll put all the contact details on the show notes page. So if you are interested in looking at that, say you will have to become a member of the Historic Association, but that will give you access to all sorts of goodies across their platform. I will put the details in the show notes. And then finally, to round off today's show, I definitely want to remind you that Peterborough Cathedral will be running their annual commemoration and celebration of the life of Catherine of Aragon online this year. Normally it actually takes place in the flesh in Peterborough Cathedral and so if you're overseas and you weren't traveling you wouldn't have access to it but one of the upsides of course of Covid is a lot of things are going online now and this is one of those events. So a fantastic opportunity to kind of tune in and follow along with the commemorative events that are going on on the 29th of January. I hope I didn't say July then, I have July written down but I certainly meant January. And Basically, this runs from 9.30 in the morning when there is a, a wreath-laying ceremony and prayers are said uh, at the burial place of Catherine of Aragon. You can also tune into Vespers where I think there's a sung mass later in the day, the kind that Catherine of Aragon would have known. And then in the evening, Sarah Gristwood um, is going to be giving a talk at 7.30 online via Zoom called The Spanish Queen, Catherine of Aragon and Her Continental Family. As Sarah Griswood obviously is an incredibly popular author and was kind enough to do a live Tudor talk chat with me on my YouTube channel, which you could also tune into if you missed it first time round. But I encourage you to sign up for the Peterborough Cathedral event. Um, you can get your tickets online. They're £5 per person. And once again, I'll put the link in the show notes. Okay, that's all the events and all the goodies that I want to share with you today. I hope you've enjoyed this first Travel Essentials show. Now, 
what I wanted to say is that if you have any top recommendations of places to stay or events that you're aware of coming up, maybe you want me to share those with the Tudor community. Maybe you even want to come on as a guest to talk about your favourite place to stay, your favourite historic place to stay in the UK, then get in touch with me at sarah at the com. And if you have any questions, travel questions that you would perhaps like Philippa to dive into and for us to discuss and answer, then again, you can contact me via the same email, sarah at the com. Okay, with that, my friends, we are concluding our very first episode of Travel Essentials. And I will return in February with Philippa and another guest talking about their favourite place to stay in February. So until then, my friends, as ever, it's happy time travelling. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Now remember, if you've enjoyed the show, please do like, rate and subscribe to this podcast to spread the Tudor love. Until next time.